This is the Only in Miami show, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. You can find me on Twitter at Grant Stern and everything about the show at www.onlyinmiami.co, iTunes, podcast, SoundCloud, and a whole lot more. Check it out at onlyinmiami.co. And we are back live tonight with a fantastic show. If you're in the car and stuck in traffic, and believe me, I know you are, stay tuned. We've got Ricky Junquera. He is a Democratic candidate for Congress in Florida's 27th district. He's running against Carlos, uh, 26th district, running against Carlos Curbelo. And he just declared last week, Ricky is going to be live in studio with us, answering our questions and taking your calls. So if you want to call in 305-541-2350, hit those lines now and we'll get you on the air in the next segment. And we have Electric Piquete live in studio for their 10th anniversary show coming up this Friday, August 11th at the world famous Ball and Chain Lounge in Little Havana. It's hosted by Joe Cardona. 10th anniversary show is this Friday night. So they're going to be live with us in studio, providing the music all throughout the hour, Electric Piquete. And if you're a regular listener of this show, you've been hearing the Piquete for quite a long time. And we're really going to feature them tonight. We're very proud to have them as part of our permanent soundtrack. And we want to congratulate Michael Moot and his amazing bandmates on 10 years in the Miami music scene. But this is the part of the program where I get a few minutes to speak directly with you, the listening audience, about issues of importance that affect us citywide and sometimes beyond. And today I wanted to speak about the city of Miami Beach yet again, because it is a very, very important matter of whatever goes on there, because it impacts us all, because tourists go to Miami for South Beach. Good or bad, right or wrong, it's a unique place. It's an important part of this city's cultural heritage. And we have an activist city commission right now that has put possibly the most flawed ballot amendment or ballot item onto this November 2017's ballot that I have seen in quite some time. The city has put an item onto the ballot that would alter their zoning code to discriminate against the business owners whose unique South Florida cultural heritage sites have put this city on the worldwide map. The idea is that they want to close down Ocean Drive at 2 a.m. And for a few residents, I'm sure it's a great idea. But for the entire city as a whole, we're talking about something so momentous that it could be the tipping point that turns Ocean Drive from the American Riviera back into a place that needs extra large patios on the hotels so you can put all the rocking chairs there. When I was growing up, that's what it looked like, just like it did in Scarface, which amazingly, uh, that's all going to get torn down and thrown in the trash too. And not only that, uh, because of the film tax, uh, film credits problems, they're going to film the new Scarface in Atlanta. So if you guys are not worried about this, then you have to realize this is the identity of our very city that's at risk and only 90,000 beach residents are going to get to decide this. So we've had guests on the program who are against making the Ocean Drive curfew 2 a.m., but we haven't been able to attract any of the guests who want to lower that curfew onto the program for some reason. Some of them have simply decided to leave office because they're so unpopular 
like Mayor Levine, there's absolutely no way they could get elected. And I'm not talking about being elected to Miami Beach mayor like Mayor Levine would wish he could be reelected. But I don't think that Miami Beach residents would reelect Mayor Levine as their dog catcher, having seen the kind of sordid performance that he has led that city commission to. But yet it remains an item on the ballot, and that's why it drew a lawsuit from residents who say that it's been procedurally uh, like done inappropriately. They, they haven't put this item onto the ballot properly. Now, the courts will have to sort that out, but as a citizen... I happened to be at Miami Beach City Hall for their July, I'm sorry, their June meeting. And I went there to speak about an ethics ordinance. But amazingly, an issue related to this very ballot item came up. And I am sad to say that I was not given a chance to be heard on the ballot item because the city of Miami Beach stuffed it into what's called a consent agenda. In other words, when a city is spending, you know, $5 or paying for a pizza party or uh, giving free parking passes out for a couple of hours, something that requires no debate, they put it on what's called a consent agenda. The city of Miami Beach put a major change to a ballot item onto a consent agenda at that meeting. And at the very end of the meeting, Commissioner Kristen Rosen Gonzalez discovered it, called it back up for debate. The city debated it. I rushed to the podium because there was nobody there. I was shocked. They're debating almost the, the most important thing in Miami Beach's commercial history that's going to happen in 2017. And they didn't allow any public input. They didn't tell anybody that there was going to be a major item on the agenda. And then they shut us all out. They voted for the item and they gaveled the meeting closed. So if you're in Miami Beach, I urge you to raise your objections with your elected officials because this is not the right way to do business. Whether you agree that there should be a 2 a.m. curfew or not, cities need to let their citizens be heard on important items of business when they are being heard in public. Otherwise, it's illegal. And we'll be right back. This is the Only in Miami show. This is the Only in Miami show. You are listening to Electric Piquetes. De cara al sol, we invite you all to celebrate our 10th anniversary this Friday at Ball and Chain. 1513 Southwest 8th Street in Little Havana. Hashtag 10 years of EP.
back. This is the Only in Miami show, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. You can find me on Twitter at Grant Stern and everything about the show at www.onlyinmiami.co, iTunes, podcast, SoundCloud, and a whole lot more. Check it out at onlyinmiami.co. And we're back with Ricky Hunkera. He is a Democratic candidate for Miami's 26th Congressional District. Thank you for joining us in the studio today, Ricky. Well, thanks, Grant. It's great to be here today. So you just announced your candidacy last week. Tell our audience, what inspired you to run for Congress in Miami's 26th district? Um, well, first off, uh, thank you for having me on the show. Um, I've, you know, I was born and raised in Miami. Um, unfortunately, when I was a freshman in college, my um, mom was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. Um, it was it was very excruciating just to figure out what the diagnosis was. Um, and then her care has been very difficult um, since then. Um, you know, my my brother and sister have had kids and um, her care has has fallen off, you know, the track it's supposed to be on. Um, and I I trying to pick up the pieces and figure everything out. I found out how hard it is to even get an appointment um, that will take her her um, health care plan. Right. Um, and then get to the get to the appointment and then not be able to, to to see the doctor because you don't have the right health care plan. Um, and then medication and the cost of medication and and just the, the, the entire ordeal of it. Um, you know, then fast forward to this past May and Carlos Corbello voting against um, the ACA uh, saying that repeal, you know, was against was Obamacare. Right. Well, yeah, against Obamacare, against the Affordable Care Act. Um, you know, putting a de- putting everybody here in, into a dead spin, freaking out, thinking, am I going to lose my health care? You know, one of the right. largest ACA registration districts in the country. And you have people like my mother, you know, crying, calling me on the phone. You know, what's going to happen to my health care? Um, you know, what's going to happen to my, my, my Medicaid, my Medicare? I, I hear that they're, they want to make cuts to Medicare, you know, and, and, and even if they don't have all the information, that fear tactic or even if they're not going to be able to repeal it and it's sent to the Senate and, oh, it's going to come back. And I fully expect it to come back being completely different than what we sent it to them. And, you know, just just that, just that alone and the fear of so many people, especially in one of the highest registration districts in the country, uh, was, was just, you know, the, the tip of the iceberg. It's, it's hard enough to have a parent who is that sick and, and needs that level of care, um, making them feel secure that they have that. Um, and then to then try and console them uh, when when all they're hearing in the media, right, on the Spanish media, on the English media, everything they hear about when they turn on the radio or turn on the TV is, you know, ACA is going to be repealed and, you know, the Republicans are going to do this and the Republicans are going to do that. And what are we going to do? Uh, and, and I had no answers. You know, how, how can you have Ileana Ross Letton in the 27th district understanding that her constituents uh, by a large margin register to the Affordable Care Act? And then you have someone like Carlos Cabello say, hey, you know, let's let's repeal. So uh, the, the district has been redrawn a bit. And uh, what are the boundaries? Like, w- who is being represented by Mr. Curbelo today in the 26th district on the west side of my, the southwest side of Miami-Dade? So Just the like easiest way to put it is yeah. from 8th Street, Gaiocho, down to about Bird Road and 87th Avenue west. So 87th Avenue between 8th Street and Bird Road, right? All of Florida International University, all of Tam Miami Park. Uh, mm-hmm. where I, where I right. played football growing up, um, you know, down to about uh, Miller Drive and Bird Road and 107th Avenue West. So you have 87th West on on 8th Street to Bird Road and then Bird Road to Miller, 107th West. 
and then the rest All of the it way follows. South, right? Well, then the rest of it follows the the turnpike down okay. down down the rest of the coast. Everything west of the turnpike after Miller Drive is considered the 26th district, all the way down to Key gotcha. West. Right, all the way down to Key West. Um, you got a whole lot of Everglades in the district, right? Yes, a, a whole of lot the, of Everglades, the, which I'm grateful yeah. for. You know, working for the Sierra Club, uh, managing press for them in the upper Midwest, you know, I, I care a lot about, about nature. Well, let's talk about that. So, so but, okay, you just declared last week, but right now you work for the Sierra Club. What, what other experience do you have? that you believe helps you qualify to be a good congressperson for the 26th district? Well, you know, just like every other Cuban American here in Miami, I was born and raised in Miami, went to Southwest Miami High. I was actually student body president at Southwest. Uh, I, got a, I got a scholarship and went off to college at Boston University in Massachusetts. And, um, you know, it opened up my horizons, right? Being Cuban American here in Miami and speaking English and Spanish and not thinking I have an accent, and then going off to the to the north <laughs> north northeast and being told, "Hey, you, you have an accent, or, what do or you hey, mean, you're bro? not you're not the majority here." <laughs> and I was like, "Whoa, what is that?" Um, but you learn a lot, and you learn a lot about other cultures, and and you learn a lot about what you took for granted back home, because up in the in the northeast, you know, I wasn't the majority. You know, I I, I saw how how difference uh, is seen outside of you know South Florida, and and it really taught me a lot. But I got my undergrad degree. I got my master's degree there. In between the two, What'd though, you get your master's degree in uh, intercultural communications, and okay. I got my undergrad in political science. Okay. But in between those two, I came back home and I worked for Joe Garcia's campaign in 2010. Okay. Uh, I was his regional field director. You know, canvassed doors 24/7. You know, got volunteers to come and be jazzed up about the campaign. Um, and then, you know, unfortunately, so you've put a lot of elbow grease into this district. Oh yeah, I I, I ran. Uh, some sort of the uh, canvas operation in 2010, 2014, and 2016 for Joe Garcia. And, and are you still active in the district right now? No, of course. I, I attend meetings. I, I went to a, a Young Democrats meeting, even though I'm on the, the top level of that Young Democrats now. Um, and, you know, I was in Key West last week. Talking you mean you're going to gonna join us old Democrats really soon? Is that what you're saying? I don't know about very soon. I, I, I'm a millennial. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm 31 I think I have a couple of years before I join the ranks of an older Democrat in this in this district. Well, I've been celebrating my 40th birthday, so you're welcome anytime. <laughs> I'll be waiting there. My birthday was earlier this month or earlier in July. Cool. So let's talk about some of the other issues that you see residents facing uh, in the West Side, because, you know, there's certain unique issues that I think that people face like in Westchester, west of the Turnpike nearer to the Everglades that you don't necessarily face if you're living in the downtown urban core or if you're living in Hollywood or, you know, points north. It's it's a little bit different. What do you think is the top issue that's facing your, the constituency out in the west side? Well, you know, having that canvassers background, the, the things that I hear, right, talking to people every day is one access. You know, you, you get on the turnpike and you're paying tolls to get to work. You know, the jobs aren't sure. in West Kendall. The jobs aren't in Westchester for the most part. Right. The jobs aren't in Homestead. They're not in Florida City for the most part. And so all of these people are traveling outside of the district to work and they right. pay they, they pay for tolls. They Well, it's a suburban district. Mostly, I, I would call it a suburban district. I don't think there's any urban area inside of the district besides Key West. No, you're right. It, uh, it is a very suburban district. Um, so a lot of the things that people complain about, you know, when you knock on the door is, you know, their light bill, uh, how much they pay in tolls to get to and from work. The sure. construction on the turnpike and the exchanges. Um, you hear about, you know, access to affordable health care. 
Um, you hear about, you know, the 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 conversation had on on national news outlets about, you know, immigration and immigration reform. And, you know, what did what did Trump just uh, talk about this past week about narrowing what it means to be a legal immigrant in this country? I, I wrote a post on Facebook about my grandmother on how she immigrated to the United States from Cuba in 1961. Um, and it actually it got it got picked up by Al Jazeera English and they asked me to to talk on their show this morning. Oh, great. Uh, talk about my grandmother. And, you know, she came here not having anything. She she came here fleeing communist Cuba in 1961. Um, and she ended up having to raise my my mother and, and her siblings on her own. Uh, she worked as a seamstress here in Miami back when we had jobs making jeans in South Florida. And um, then she had to come and help my mother and raise us when we, we lost my dad at seven years old. And, you know, she always pushed us to live the American dream, to get a good education, to go to college, to get a good job support ourselves and support our family and support them in their old age. And that's our American dream. But the Trump administration wants to narrow what it means to be a legal immigrant in this country and say, we want to give preference to those who speak English and those who are high skilled workers. Well, my grandmother didn't know the language and she wasn't a high skilled worker. She, she hardly had, hardly had an um, elementary school education. So, you know, when you, when you're faced with stuff like that and then down here, you're like, well, you know, my family, how do I compare that to my family? And when they do that, they see that, well, their family isn't, you know, what it means to be a, you know, new age Trumpian. Um, well, well, not only that, immigrant. but but the Trump, uh, the Trump administration, the Trump himself uh, spends a lot of time seeking visas for low skilled employees at both the Mar-a-Lago uh, estate, at the Trump winery. I mean, h- how does that jive? I mean, wouldn't he actually be even hurting his own business interests? By this cockamamie scheme where you say, well, we only want skilled professionals when before they were complaining that too many skilled professionals were coming from overseas. I mean, what, do, do you think that this is just a, another political ploy or do they really want to actually do this? Well, I, th- I think that they, they want to tackle the immigration question. Right. And, and we're so far away from, um, you know, significant talks on immigration reform. Right. Comprehensive immigration reform, which is what we've all asked for and we've all talked about. And so they're, they're coming up with, you know, what else can we do? You know, how else can we attack this issue? You know, and part of it is you're making more of these legal immigrants illegal immigrants. Um, and so then they become part of this other system uh, where he's had a lot of airtime and a lot of hate speech towards illegal immigrants. And now what you're doing is you're taking, you know, my, my history, my, my background and saying, well, now people that come here like that are, will also be considered illegal immigrants. And that's what's unfortunate. Well, you know, I think there's a lot of unfortunate things. And that's why we're going to come back after the break. And we're going to keep talking about that. Sound like a plan? Sounds like a plan. Uh, but before we go, where can our audience find you on Twitter if they want to keep the discussion going after the show is done? Yeah, at Ricky Junquera, um, R-I-C-K-Y-J-U-N-Q-U-E-R-A. Alrighty, and if you want to give us a call, the number is 305-541-2350. That's 305-541-2350. We will take your calls and questions for Ricky Junquera. He is a Democratic candidate for Florida's 26th District. And we'll be right back. This is the Only in Miami show. This is the Only in Miami show. 
Shout out to Grant Stern for all of his support of Electric Piquete, especially the last few years. You're listening to our original track called Cuddy and Water Blues. We invite you to come celebrate 10 years of Latin funk at Ball and Chain Friday, August 11th, beginning at 10 p.m. Ball and Chain is at 1513 Southwest 8th Street in Little Havana. No cover, 21 and over. See you there. This is the Only in Miami show, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. You can find me on Twitter at Grant Stern and everything about the show at www.onlyinmiami.co, iTunes, podcast, SoundCloud, and a whole lot more. Check it out at onlyinmiami.co. And we're back live with Democratic congressional candidate Ricky Junquera. He's running for Congressional District 26 in Miami-Dade's western suburbs. Ricky, thank you so much for joining me on the program. Of course, it's a pleasure. So... You're running against Carlos Curbelo. He's a Republican. It, this is his second term representing the district. And he's got a very interesting position on gun control. I'm going to share it with our audience. This is from YouTube. And I, I want to get your feedback and, and you know compare and contrast. Are we ready, Booth? Let's do this. Let's, let's play it. This is Carlos Curbelo, the Republican representative, the incumbent in District 26. Others offer the idea of tighter gun laws as another easy answer to these acts of terror on the homeland. While a conversation about keeping guns out of the hands of dangerous individuals is warranted, we know that terrorists will employ any weapon to achieve their goals. For example, in Boston, dirty bombs were used. If we are to effectively blunt the terrorist threat, we must go to the root of the matter, not treat the symptoms. Okay. Ricky, uh, 
Uh, yeah, I know. It kind of leaves you speechless. Well, but it kind of leaves anyone speechless who wasn't actually there at the site of the Boston bombings. I was handing out snacks to marathoners as they were crossing the finish line at that uh, Boston Marathon. And, and, and I was there and I, I, I got trampled by people when the blasts went off. And, and yes, you know, the next two weeks was, was dredging. Everybody was in fear trying to find these, these two uh, brothers. And, um, you know, that tying it to, to that specific incident is not doing justice to the work that many people are doing to try and and strengthen our gun laws uh, and try and keep keep automatic rifles keep keep larger more more um, you more know, powerful weapons. more powerful weapons out of the hands of everyday everyday Americans that that don't need them in their in their everyday lives to or like the high capacity magazines well the high capacity yeah. magazines is just you know he says not not to treat the symptoms to feed to to um, to treat the cause, but you know, treating these symptoms, these are pretty drastic symptoms that shouldn't even be there in the first place. When you go to the doctor, you know, the, the, the doctor is going to treat symptoms while they try and find out what's wrong with you. Right. Sure. Why, why are we not? The symptoms are very important actually. Otherwise, yeah. if you don't look at the symptoms, how do you ever figure out how anybody is sick? There are many lives at, at, you know, there's many lives at stake when you say something like, let's not treat the symptoms. Let's just treat, treat the cause of that. Uh, and, and I think that's the, the type of narrative that you get from a GOP or NRA talking point, you know, that, that gets to some broad, you know, understanding of, yeah, I can agree with that. You know, just, just a very broad statement that doesn't really look at what the actual issues are and, and what the actual cause and effect are of every decision that you make as a congressperson. And that's one of them. It's very important to, to note. Well, your Republican opponent in this race spends a lot of time saying how he's so not with uh, the orange one whose name shall not be spoken. But the fact is, um, I've read reports that say he re he votes with that person 86% of the time. How can somebody claim to be against America's worst president ever yet vote with them 86% of the time? And, and is that person going to be a good steward of the vast environmental treasure inside of District 26? Well, and that's the thing that I think is really important here, right? Is you know I, I hear from people that say oh he he votes right on some on some bills and I was like yeah look at those bills and see how controversial they are and then look at the more controversial bills that really impact us to a much higher degree um, like, and see where he stands on um, you know if, if if you talk about uh, climate change and a lot of the climate climate bills that have gone gone through Congress and then even more so you know Trump leaving from the climate agreement um, right how how much of a steward has he been you know where are the statements of support. Uh, for the cl the climate agreement and 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 where he, how's he backing up that? Uh, but that's not just the only example. You know, even with health care, right? He he votes down party line. Uh, I, my quote that Patty Maze pulled to to the Miami Herald last week is, you know, I call him. She says I refer to him as a lapdog to Paul Ryan, and and the truth is, Paul Ryan is in step with the Trump administration for the most part, and Carlos Cabello is taking his his um uh, his um. Taking his lead, I guess, from from Paul Ryan. Yeah, whatever whatever the party tells him to do is what he's going to do. Well, you know, Representative Curbelo pretty openly benefited from Russian interference in the last election. I I wouldn't say I would know know that. To no, be the true. My, the New York Times reported it. The New York Times reported it. Well, part, part and the, the Wall Street Journal too. In fact, the Wall Street Journal unmasked the anonymous blogger who spread all of the stuff he got from the Russian hackers. 
I mean, what's your take on all this? Because it's a very hot topic in Washington, D.C. A grand jury has been impaneled. Do you think that we need to see more enforcement of these election laws? Of course. And I mean, you know, looking at the the, the French election uh, and what, what came down and what happened about a week or so before that election, then people talking about their ethics laws that, that tell them that, you know, regardless of what the information is, you know, we're, we're not talking about it in the media. We're not talking about anything that's, that's going to affect the election uh, so close to, to an election. And just that, that small, you know, uh, uh, talking about the symptom, right? You yeah. know, just that small symptom uh, it has a drastic change in, in the outcome of an election. And if you talk about the last week or two weeks of our election cycle in 2016, you know, it's the same case. That's, that's a small symptom, but that's a small step. And, and at least the French government has determined that that's an important step to take. Um, and if it would have been, you know, here in the United States, and a lot of pundits have talked about this on both, you know, conservative and, and liberal stations after, after the French vote and, and that outcome. Uh, and you see that it does have a tangible, um, there's, ta- there's a tangible benefit to it. Sure. So we were talking about traffic and access. Um, what are some of the other issues that are very specific to your district that you're running for? And if you have any that are key specific or, you know, mainland specific, because it's actually, it's a very lengthy district. Yeah. And, you know, I was, I mean, it's, it's what, like a 200 mile long district. Oh, it was, it's huge, yeah. but it's, and, and because it's so huge, there's so many different pockets that have different things that are most important to them. Uh, being in Key West last week, I got to talk to one of my friends who's a chef um, down, down in Key West. And he's like, you know, I would die to have good line line cooks uh, that that are here to to take to take these jobs. And I'm like, well, how much are you paying them? And he's like, well, I'm paying them anywhere from fourteen to to eighteen twenty dollars an hour. And I'm like, are are, are you serious? Are you talking that's, about forty that's hours very a week? Good pay for for a line cook. Yeah, but he he st- he says he still has trouble finding someone to take the job. And and when you're talking about oh, you know, we're trying to curb illegal immigration and we're trying to minimize the amount of legal immigrations that are are not high skilled workers. Well, then, you know, somewhere like the Keys is not going to get any any workers more than what it has. And it's it's struggling to survive to begin with. Well, there's also housing issues. Oh, of course, there. affordable housing issues is what what's what's that issue down there? Uh, is it affordable? And that's that's where that question went to. I go, well, if you're making 40 for if you're working 40 hours a week and you're making 15 to 20 dollars an hour, can you afford to live in Key West? And the answer is no. And I'm like, are you are you serious? Um, and so those are the things that, that seem unfathomable. And what can you do to curb that? You know, we're talking about uh, we talk about affordable um, housing. We talk about, you know, how much it costs to have, you know, flood insurance or, um, you know, some of the costs that are associated with living in a in a high risk uh, climate like that. Yeah, no, it, it's a very big issue for down there because there's definitely not enough uh, labor. And it's because of that. Um, let me see. I mean, there's a lot of issues because it's such a broad district. You know, I mean, each area has its own concern. Um, you know, something I wanted to ask you about if, if you've thought of, um, you know, right now it's impossible to get condominium financing. Did you know that actually there's legislation that could change that? Really? Yeah. Well, the, the FHA, which is the, the federal housing administration, it's part of HUD. Um, they actually, all of the rules are statutory, like their entire loan program is statutory, but right now you can't actually get a condo loan because, you know, they put up all these barriers to make it very difficult. Well, that and the, the other symptom that's, you know, do you have a well-paying job uh, in, in West Miami? Do you have a good-paying job in Florida City or Homestead? 
and can you afford to take out a loan in the first place? And so you have the two the two sides of that coin, right? And 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 again, where we go back to uh, you know affecting uh, signs of symptoms and and treating the cause. What what is the cause of you know low 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 job rates? What what what's the cause of of a low a low low income wage? You know what's the cause of not not having enough people? You know buying houses that are available or condos that that, that are available to them. And so when you when you look at it. You know, yes, there's larger problems, but what what are some of the things that we can do to allevi- alleviate some of that? Like what you're talking about, the FHA loan. Well, I mean, it's just it's legislation, but I don't see it happening from you know the, the incumbent. <laughs> are these things that you've brought up to him in an open, you know, town hall? Well, I would love to. Have you ever heard of uh, Rep. Curbelo going to a town hall? No, I, I never have. That's why I was asking you. Really? I, I haven't heard of it. I mean, I've I've been watching. I've 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 met with him once um, about the Miami Pine Rocklands, but uh, you know, unfortunately, it, like it doesn't seem like anything's being done on that score either. You know, the the feds are reviewing it. Um, so what what is the number one environmental issue that you think that you could have impact if elected to the Congress? Because there's a lot of them, but in your district in particular. There's so many. I brought one of them up, which is the Miami Pine Rocklands. But are there any others that you believe district residents need taken care of? I mean, one thing that's indirectly related but directly related at the same time is is talking about this uh, flood insurance issue. Okay, let's talk Um, about that. The reauthorization is still pending, right? This is now just for our listening audience is something that we spoke with with the the past congressman, uh, with Congressman Garcia. He was very involved with the flood insurance is the incumbent working on that flood insurance bill at all? Well, he he did say at a, I saw a video of him speaking at a Key West function last week. Um, but then I saw the woman who had brought up the the question and had he says is one of the key players who's been helping him with it, rolling her eyes when he was giving his response about you know that that it's just not where it needs to be for the Republican um, chair of the committee to to pass it at where it is. You know, he says that right now they're looking at you know fifteen percent. And he would want to get it down to about, you know, 10, 11 percent and that the that the Republican chair is just not there yet. And 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 we can't move on on the bill until that chair is is there. So and those I are mean, the type, you know, that's the type what, of answer you're going to get. But what's the solution to that? I mean, elect more Democrats in the Congress so that, you know, the chair of these committees are not, you know, are not Republican. I, unfortunately, I'm saying that because I, I know a lot of Republicans that aren't that aren't that dead set on on a polarizing position on a lot of these issues. Well, big secret. I know a lot of Republicans that live in flood zones. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there are a lot of them, uh, local, state, and federal. Um, and and th- th- this is the thing with, with with climate change. It's you know we're talking about all these things and we're talking about how it impacts everyone, uh, but then we're, none of us are willing to stand up to to Trump and say you know this is very important. I mean, you see it to a certain extent, right? You see well, the, you're willing the to ambassador. Say it, well, you see the ambassador but, but of China is, come out and say, "Hey, I'm I'm resigning because I don't believe, you know, in what Trump's administration is doing with the with the climate agreement." Right. You're saying it, but are the Republicans in Congress saying it? Do you be, believe that people are being well represented by the current incumbent? I mean, a lot of them have come out saying that climate change is, is real and that we it has drastic impacts and we need to address them, but you don't see them actually addressing them. Um, and but but there are some that that are vocal about it and, and are doing things about it. Um, you know, we can talk about it and I can look up I can find out some of the examples of Republicans across the country that are 
I don't know. I can't think of really any off the top of my head. I can think of the guy that brought the snowball into Congress and said that because he had a snowball in his hand, climate change wasn't real. But it shouldn't be a partisan issue. And I mean, the the USDA, it turns out, is banning the term climate change. Uh, Our Republican governor in Florida is banning the term climate change. Um, You have a chance to choose a new governor for the state of Florida next year, too. That's right. Can't come soon enough. (laughs) <laughs> this this election is going to be very interesting. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be a part of it. So let's talk about where people can get a hold of you, because I know you've got your Twitter account, right? Yep. Ricky Junquera, um, R-I-C-K-Y-J-U-N-Q-U-E-R-A. You can go on my website at VoteForRicky.com. Uh, you can find me on Facebook at uh, Vote for Ricky. Um, and yeah, of course, I'm a young candidate. Uh, I have a background in canvassing and, and knocking on doors and talking about people, about the issues. I'm more than happy to speak to you about the issues. Just reach out to my campaign, send me a message on Facebook, and I'd be more than happy to set some time aside. Yeah, voteforricky.com. That's a great domain. How'd you get that? Uh, I, I searched for a lot, and, and Ricky for Congress was already taken. Oh, man. <laughs> who's, who's Ricky in Congress? Uh, there isn't one in Congress, but there's one running in California. Okay, okay. So you've got some competition in California. I see how it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. No, it's been a pleasure having you on the show, Ricky, and I hope that you'll give us regular updates, right? No, the, of course. The race is um, not going to be decided for a little while, right? It's What's about a year away. Day? Yeah, August uh, 28th, 2018. Okay. So one more time, where can our audience reach out if they want to continue the conversation online after the show? Of course, you can look me up at Vote for Ricky on Facebook. Uh, Ricky Hunkera on Twitter, and you can go to voteforricky.com, and there's links to my Facebook and my Twitter on there. Okay, well, Ricky, thank you so much for joining me on the program. It was a pleasure, Grant. Thank you so much for having me. And we'll be right back. This is the Only in Miami show. This is the Only in Miami show. Shout out to Zach Bush and all the wonderful crew at Ball and Chain. Electric Piquete will be there celebrating 10 years of Latin funk Friday, August 11th, 10 p.m., no cover, 21 and over. This is Cut Me Loose featuring band friend Mako Monterville. You'll hear this and see this live. See you Friday. Hashtag 10 years of EP.
Welcome back. This is the Only in Miami show, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. You can find me on Twitter at Grant Stern and everything about the show at www.onlyinmiami.co, iTunes, Podcast, SoundCloud, and a whole lot more. Check it out at onlyinmiami.co. And we are back with a bonus segment with Ricky Junquera. He is running for the 26th Congressional District in Miami-Dade County. That is the west side of town. Ricky, thank you for sticking around for this one more segment. Appreciate sure, it. Sure, of course. I've, I've loved being here, so. So, bonus segment. You're on the clock. How do we fix student loans? Oh, man. You know, first off, we need to, to really listen to Bernie Sanders' message of trying to find a way to have freer, affordable um, education for, for at least your associate's degree. You know, we need to talk about, you know, the, the public school system and the public higher education system and, and really try and curb that price down. Right. So, I mean, the biggest driver in education costs is administrative cost. Um, has it gotten to the point where we need to federally regulate administrative costs or at least federally require a disclosure by schools? Because I don't think schools really disclose to people where all that money goes to. Yeah. And, and not just in uh, public education, but because public education costs so much, you know, private education is, is justified by, you know, charging a lot more. So I, I was paying $65,000 almost a year to Whoa. go to Boston University. And that number comes from where? Well, but if you go to Florida, Florida International University or you go to F, um, FSU or you go to UF, you know, that the price isn't isn't is what, 30, 35 grand a year with housing? No, it's got to be cheaper than that. I mean, not including housing. Oh, with housing and, and I mean, housing, and it's, you know, it depends. That's I mean, a lot. At FIU, everybody's housing is, you know, mommy and daddy. For a the lot most of part. Yeah. 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 It's a Well, it's mostly a commuter school. There is a dormitory there, but, um, you know, tuition is apples to apples. Tuition is apples to apples to a certain extent, where, whereas uh, at FIU, you're paying you know, per credit. At right. a private university, you're paying per semester. Uh, you're paying for 18 credits at you know, whatever the astronomical price is, and whereas in a public school system, you're, you're getting that you know, per credit hour, you know, what it costs. And w- what we need to do is break down that cost and figure out what, what, what is this cost really? What are you really, you know, what are you re- what are you really incurring in cost? Okay, and that needs to be public. You know, we tra- clear and transparency. That was one of Bernie's biggest messages was transparency, transparency, transparency. Uh, Elizabeth Warren talks about transparency, and I think the more transparency we have, uh, the better we can get to the root of the problem. Because if it does cost that much, well then, well, what what are we doing, and how are we doing it? Well, I'll tell you what, it's not going to the professors. My stepdad was a professor at Miami Dade, and he never made the big bucks, but the the cost of education kept rising. So I have a lot of friends now who are who are uh, teachers at universities, and and they're not making that that money. I can tell you that. Yeah. Well, Ricky, thanks for sticking around for one extra segment with us. Of it's course, been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much, Grant. And uh, we're going to take a very short break, and we're going to be right back with Electric Piquete live in studio. This is the only in Miami show. You're listening to El Raton by the great Cheo Feliciano, one of Electric Piquete's favorite, favorite artists. Celebrate 10 years of EP. Hashtag 10 years of EP. Friday, ball and chain, 10 p.m. Be there.
la crema que vengo yo tirando Pa' que tú sepas que yo me encuentro en el mando Yo vengo a cantar, yo vengo a tripear Las mujeres donde están Y dice vengo que te cancha pa' pa' toda la raza Pa' que tú sepas que lo que traigo es melaza Y los bocones que no jodan conmigo Porque si no saco la nueve y también vendo Porque yo no quedo en nadie Tampoco confío en nadie Porque fueron las experiencias que aprendí yo en calle Si, sí, si no te gusta, no te la coma Lírica potente, la que te asombra Tú sabes que te remonta ya la que viene cantando Viene el estripe que está sonando Número uno, aguante presión, bandida, venimos el corazón, sí. Welcome back. This is the Only in Miami show, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. You can find me on Twitter at Grant Stern and everything about the show at www.onlyinmiami.co, iTunes, podcast, SoundCloud, and a whole lot more. Check it out at onlyinmiami.co. And we're back live with Mike Moot, the founder and bassman and frontman of Electric Piquete. Hello, hello. How you doing, Grant? Great. Congratulations. Ten years, man. Thanks, man. Really appreciate your support. Um, it's really a pleasure to be back on here with you. Dude, we love dancing to your music at as many breaks as possible on this program. Well, that's that's very nice of you to say, man. Thanks. So tell our audience a little bit how about how Electric Piquete came about. It's 10 years mm-hmm. old. How did you guys get together? Well, I was, uh, I'd been friends with the, uh, the other co-founder, Ed Rosado, our drummer, for a long time. We go way back to a place called Jerry Bassin Distributors. When there was still a music business, you know, and people, oh. were, people were actually buying cassettes and CDs. <laughs> There's still, I've, I've, I've heard there's still a music business, what are but these, it's a little different now. What are these CD things you speak of? <laughs> so, uh, so we've been friends for, for a very long time, needless to say. Um, and I had brought him into a project that I was in at the moment, 10 years ago, 2007. We were in the middle of recording an EP and we needed a drummer a lat- with a Latin feel. So he was perfect. So I kind of brought the Don out of semi-retirement. And uh, he laid down the session, but unfortunately it went nowhere. So him and I, we stuck together and we started jamming and the rest is history. Yeah. So, I mean, what are the influences? Because it's not just Latin music. It's not just blues or jazz. There's there's a lot of stew there. It's a lot of yeah. fusion. I'm glad you what, hear what it. What goes in there? The, well, what, we're listening to a track in the background right now. It's yeah, yeah. Cheo Feliciano. He's part of this uh, amazing movement of artists that came around the late 60s, early 70s, this Latin jazz salsa of fusion and yeah. you know he was part of a group called the Fania All-Stars so we we love him you know we love artists like Celia Cruz by the same token we were very big fans of fusion artists like uh Return to Forever and the Mahavishnu Orchestra and John McLaughlin and you know the rock guys Zeppelin Hendrix et al you know so yeah you can that. hear it in the background yeah it's like somebody jamming out on the electric guitar yeah that's uh Chris Correoso who unfortunately was gonna be here but he got stuck at work Oh, no. Yeah, we're doing some live TV tomorrow, so you have to work a little late. Well, I hope he's listening at least. You better be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you, I mean, you called it, man. It's a fusion. It's a mishmash of all of, all of what we listen to. Yeah, no, no. It, it makes you dance. It makes you sway in your seat. Like, like I said, every time we play it here. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thank you. So, I mean, we queued up a few tracks, right? Yeah, yeah. We've been listening to tracks from throughout the history of the band. Right. Yeah, yeah. The first one, I think, was a... Our Latin jazz opus, you know, eight-minute track, you know, basically all instrumental and very heavy on on the, the the soloists. Right. Then we've we've kind of come around to our last single. I think we played uh, not this break, but the one before, featuring a, a real bona fide vocalist, Mako Motherbo. 
Oh yeah. Yeah, he was. Uh, he co-wrote the song with us, and you know, it was something that we decided to do because that's been one of the knocks of the on the band. So you guys sound great. I love the music, but you need a vocalist. And you know, of course, none of us are real. Vo- I mean, I don't consider myself a lead singer. You know what? I've heard you sing, and and you're a good vocalist, man. You Thanks, gotta, you got to let it out on stage. Thanks, man. Just I kill bring it. I kill that karaoke, you know, whenever <laughs> I can. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm more of a background singer. You know, I'm more of an instrumentalist yeah, myself. Yeah. But you know, working with someone like Mako, and you know, we're obviously open to future collaborations with, you know, quote unquote real singers. But uh, it, it was it was a nice nice part of our history. A nice you know a nice chapter. It was really exciting, and, you know, I mean, we're, we're happy with the results. This was last year around this time that we put it out, but, you know, time marches on. So let's play another one of the tracks. What do you guys have queued up in the booth? I think the first one that we got there is a, a song called Mother Smother, and it's a, um, I think you've heard this one. It's a remix by DJ Lespam. All right, let's take a listen. <laughs> This is the Only in Miami show. Yeah, man, that's that's funky. Thanks, man. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of heavy grind funk under there, right? Yeah, definitely. And that's that's one where, you know how Empire Strikes Back was better than Star Wars, some right, may say? Right, right, okay. This is sort of, I can't listen to the, the original track any longer. The, this remix, I think, is so far beyond what we did ourselves. Andrew really killed it. Maybe like All Along the Watchtower, the Jimmy version, right? Right, right, right. Can't listen to that Bob Dylan nonsense. Right, that's the original now. Yeah. Sometimes the... Right. The remake becomes the original. Yes, yes, certainly. I mean, what do you think? R- Ricky's still with us. Ricky, what do you, what do you think of that one? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that, that brings me back to, I was telling you, the undertones of funk is just super apparent. Not just the jazz, but the funk in it is really, really deep. Thanks, man. Yeah, no, I love it. We try. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love flipping through uh, the different tracks when we have musicians on the show. But with you guys, we've been listening to Playa Giron for a long time and Sofrito. Right. And um, just like uh, we have like what three or four tracks loaded in there, we love yeah, them. Yeah, man. we we uh, actually I, I gotta I'd be remiss if I didn't mention my friend Jim Camacho. We had a chance to work with him in 2011. Sure. Not many people. I mean, the Mouse pe- King. Right. People know him as you know the rocker in the goods, but he's also right. a playwright. He writes music for for these productions, and 
there was a this this one thing called the KB Islanders and the Trolls in 2011. He asked us to remake one of his tracks, and I don't know if uh, our wonderful engineer can play that one for us now. Yeah, that would be great. Let's. Uh, I think I believe it's called Smile, featuring Jim Camacho. Alrighty. No. No. Maybe? No. Um. Well, it's it's kind of like that the one with the yellow picture. And the brown that looks like the ugly dude, the, the KB Islander guy. <laughs> <laughs> Dream on. I'm sorry. Dream, Dream on. on. Smile. Right. Dream on. Bring My it. bad, Jim. Bring it. Let's let's sing it. Let's hear Dream on. Electric Piquette. This is the only in Miami show. So yeah, man, this is this is very groovy. You know, it's very Thanks. very mellow, laid back. Makes you kind of want to sway around in the seat, also, but not like in the funk way. Yeah, yeah, that's a little <laughs> different vibe. Isn't well, it? you you sway around before you even know you're dancing. Mm-hmm. It's true, very uh-huh. true. We got you. Well, it's, <laughs> it's like the many different faces of Electric Piquete because you guys have such a broad range of of groove. You know, like this. It's a lot different. It's like smoother, jazzier. Yeah. You know, definitely but like a little in the it's not jazz. Type. I mean, no. it's just jazzier. Yes. <laughs> Smooth jazz. <laughs> yeah. Again, that was Dream On uh, by Jim Camacho. So this Friday night, tell our audience where to go because they got to make it out to the EP 10th anniversary. Yes, please. We're inviting everyone. There's no cover for anyone to join. It's 21 and over at Ball and Chain, 1513 Southwest 8th Street, Ball and Chain in Little Havana. That's right, man. Well, that's all the time we have for this week's show, but it's been a pleasure. Mike, thank you so much for coming on the program. Thank you, Grant. Shout out to Rich Dixon, our trumpet player. And uh, where can our audience find you guys on the internet? ElectricPiquete.com. Electric, P-I-Q-U-E-T-E.com. Follow the band at Electric Piquete on Twitter, on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram, just everywhere. Electric, P-I-Q-U-E-T-E. And that's all the time we have for tonight's show. We'll be back next Monday night. Go for Ricky. This is the (laughs) Only in Miami show.